Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am. Uh, it's quite an honor to uh, be joined today by Dr. Brett Winchester. Brett, how are you? Doing really good, Josh. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. You're like a legend within the world of chiropractic and rehab and whatnot. So I try and get smart people like yourself on here. So it, it buoys me up. You know, people don't think, uh, uh, they think better of me when I have people like you on. So I appreciate it. Well, actually your name has been kicked around quite a bit. So I'm glad we finally uh, got to meet kind of unofficially. This is, this is perfect. Yeah, still, uh, we're, we went from social media meeting uh, virtually to now speaking, uh, but never actually having physically, uh, physically been in the same room which might be the way that we, uh, you know, that people are your colleagues in the future, right? Is you've never actually spent any physical time with them, but uh, you know them and have a relationship with them. So maybe this is the first one of, like that I have. Uh, perfect. Nice. So Brett, can you give everybody an idea of uh, kind of who you are and what you do and where you're calling in from? Yeah. So I have a practice outside of St. Louis, Missouri. The actual town's called Troy, Missouri. And uh, I also have another practice that's about an hour away. So I started, I'm going into my 16th year right now. Uh, as far as, yeah, thank you. So uh, I'm at, I teach advanced biomechanics at the chiropractic college in uh, Chesterfield, which is called Logan. And uh, for those of the, the chiropractors out there, I'm a board member and teach for the Motion Palpation Institute. And uh, I'm also an instructor for the DNS operation, which is out of uh, Prague, Czech Republic. And uh, now, uh, with my appointment with the Cardinals, a lot of a lot of my time is now spent in baseball. So uh, I kind of head up the DNS baseball, which is kind of a side thing from actual DNS. And then I would say the final thing would be we have a uh, a company called Gestalt Performance, which specifically is designed to work on the injured throwing athlete where we have different interventions and maybe biomechanical changes just depending on uh, how the case presents itself. But that's that's basically me in a nutshell. So besides that, uh, you also have a you somehow fit in a family wife and uh, the ability to consume food. <laughs> yes, red wine. I <laughs> love red wine. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, I want to give everybody a little kind of perspective about some things that I think you're an expert in a few of the areas I want to talk about, but can you give us a little, uh, how you started into chiropractic and, uh, specifically how you started into rehab? Because 16 years ago when you got out of school, I don't think those things were prevalent. They were there, but they weren't prevalent. Can you cover that? I think Yeah. So our model has really, really evolved. So my first office, which was basically a converted house into an office was about 2000 square feet. And I think like, I just kind of ran into the same problem that I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners run into where you just kind of run out of space. And then the next part of it is you just understand there's this other aspect of treatment, which would be um, training in a good environment that you know, is really important for the patient And it's just hard to find if you outsource it. So you kind of, you get to that epiphany moment where you're like, 
you know, how do I uh, plug this into my own operation? And we started small and I told uh, my trainer who she's just been unbelievable. I said, if you can make it happen in this space, then I promise you at some point we'll make a move and you'll have, you know, we'll, we'll get you the space that you need. And she did that and then some, so uh, that, that's kind of how that, that evolved in our, in our office, we kind of have what we believe three pillars to uh, a successful practice, which is we have the training side of it. We have a functional medicine component of it. And then we have the treatment side of it, which is, um, you know, what the, the chiropractors take care of. So that's kind of our, our overall operation. If I had to sum it up as far as, you know, how it's, it's transitioned for me, it's all transitioned, um, you know, relatively slowly, I guess. But uh, now that I see the, the training part of it is such an important part of it. And I think it just fits perfectly for people who are, you know, kind of wanting, wanting to make that jump. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I tell people all the time, but it's almost required for a lot of your patients too, right? I'm going to guess your performance uh, baseball players, like y- you would never allow them not to have any training, right? I mean, that would be almost like malpractice in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if we really break it down to, there's very few people, you know, with the, with the exception of like neurologic compromise who can't be training. For example, in our, in our uh, gym, we actually have a spinal stenosis class. So like sometimes we'll classify it or we have softball. So, you know, we have, you know, an hour where we have, you know, patients between the age of 60 and 85 who are, who are doing deadlifts. They're doing all kinds of things that the average population would think would be crazy, but it actually because we do it all in the right environment, then, you know, it goes really, really well for these people. So that's awesome. I, I just love the idea. I would love to see like one of those functional MRIs of when the, uh, you know, the, the, the 70 year old with spinal stenosis, who's been told that by three different doctors and basically got the diagnosis and the kind of washing of the hands of, well, there's nothing you can do at this point. It's just going to happen. Get, I would love to hook them up to a functional MRI machine. And then when you give them the idea of like, okay, well, our treatment is uh, you're going to be deadlifting and uh, maybe do some other uh, rehab and some exercise and, and just see like what areas of their brain are firing up. Like, is it the anger area? Is it the, you know, wonder area? Like what the hell are you talking about, man? You're not supposed to do that. You know, it's, it's so different, but it's so much more effective. Oh my God. Oh, it, it, it's insane. You know, I mean, so many of these people just need to move their bodies and we need to, not have their diagnoses just, you know, keep them literally in prison. And uh, it's just shocking. I mean, even like in the MDT or McKinsey world, um, their instructors will tell you that you actually end up extending, you know, 20 to 30% of these patients that you thought you had to, you know, stay away from extension. So they actually centralize with extension. And here, you know, going through school, everyone's taught, oh, we can't extend them, we can't extend them. And honestly, like in our assessment, we got to move the patient, we got to see, but, um, you know, so yeah, you, it's exactly right. A lot of our patients just need to move their bodies. Yeah. So. I, uh, I have a, well, I have a strange situation in the fact my wife's a DAC bar, right. And, uh, I had this patient one time and I come home and, and the dude's got, um, oh shoot. Uh, AS ankylosing spondylitis, right? And like, see it on the x-ray and, and I ask her, what do you think? And she's like, it's over. Like, I mean, you're not going to move that spine very much. And uh, I was like, well, why not try? You know, like, let's just try. And the guy was coming in for shoulder complaints, right? Like he said, anytime I re- reach overhead, you know, I get this pinching pain in the front of my shoulder. My right's worse than my left, blah, blah, blah. My, mildly kyphotic, not mega kyphotic, but you know, and uh, anyways, I was like, well, 
let me just, you know, for lack of a better term, let me just beat on him for a while and then teach him some rehab and see what we can do. And sure enough, we could, you know, he never got to, I would say never got to thoracic extension, but we got enough change, even if it wasn't bony change to get rid of his, his shoulder pain. And when I discussed it later with my wife, you know, the mistake I made was trying to prove the fact that I was right to do it. (laughs) I'm glad you learned that one early on. Yeah. So after I woke up on the couch after a couple nights, I was like, well, I didn't really win this, but, but the same thing is her, her training said like, you know, those are, those are bony changes, leave it alone. It's never going to happen. And my thought is, well, maybe there, there are bony changes, but let's look at this from, you know, this is a whole organic being. This isn't just a spine that, you know, operates. So I got some change with that. And, uh, and I also changed my uh, argument tactics too. So that was definitely a learning experience for multiple, multiple facets. We call that, we call that a double down. That's a win-win right there for you. Yeah. There was a little loss at the front end, but yeah, you're right. I did win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so let me ask you this, Brent. I know that you, you're talking about training and whatnot, and I'm always encouraging people to add that to their repertoire, but um, what are the best parts of having the training in your facility? Like what, what do you think the, the best aspects of that are that you would encourage people to add a gym or, you know, maybe a gym is too much, of a leap for people, but at least a training space within their office. What do you, what do you think the advantages are that it brings? Uh, The number one word that comes to mind would be control. You know, like I said, like when you farm something out or people are doing stuff outside of the roof of your practice, it's just harder to control all the different variables that that go on. So that way I, if they train at my place, I know they're going to be training in a safe environment. I can get a constant update on how they're doing. Uh, in practice, I mean, one of the best things is to keep, you know, contact with your patients. So maybe they're not even on the doctor's schedule, but we still have a way to communicate with them. And I think it also just establishes you as an expert. I mean, as, you know, as we move forward in Western medicine, I think the patients are wanting services like this. They're wanting functional medicine. They're wanting, you know, to be treated by, um, you know, kind of a forward thinking chiropractor. But uh, so I think like, it's just, it's perfectly in the wheelhouse right now for, for people to do this, because actually people are looking for that. And then they're not necessarily wanting to train in a gold's gym or, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, our experience has been like, they love coming to the office, and we actually kind of create a tribe for them and they're proud to be a part of it. They compete with one another. And, uh, you know, we actually don't want to do one-on-ones. We want to do like group training. That way there's some inner competition built into the, to the training sessions. And, uh, and again, they feel like they're part of something and they, I mean, they literally all become friends and it's, uh, it's kind of like a really cool thing. Really. Did uh, you just, <laughs> You just made about eight points that I've tried to make in the past with people like there is no loss here, you know, do it in a group setting because one of the things I love, I always tell people is like the, the you know, people always complain about uh, patients. Oh, yeah, they're not uh, not doing their home home exercise plan and they're not doing the rehab. As soon as you show a healthy 42 year old male uh, some move that he can't perform and then you were able to point across the gym floor at the 72 year old female who's deadlifting, you know, 150 pounds. And you go, she, she can do it. Like you do not, you no longer have a compliance issue. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's like, what's really interesting. And like our, our clients, like we just, it's like a marriage for life. I mean, can you divorce? Yes. But I mean, until proven otherwise, it's not like they're signing up for two, you know, it's just like, 
you're here to train. I mean, this is a part of who you are. This, you know, like there doesn't have to be an endpoint, is what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. I mean, there can be, we always say we make it easy for them to come easy to go. But I mean, like for example, our stenosis group until they die, they are going to be coming there or until they, they can't do it anymore, which I mean, we're kind of disproving the fact that at some point you'd have to stop, you know? So I hope we see them when they're a hundred years old, you know, and then back to, I just thought of something out loud is, so then what that ends up doing and we, I'm really, really big on staff training. So what it ends up doing is at some point there's going to be a conversation of why they have two autoimmune diseases. So then they get funneled into functional medicine or like, so I, I really work hard on trying to like have people understand like the different referrals that can be made within our office. And then it's just so neat when someone's touching all areas of our office. Cause you know, if they're doing that, their life's going to be amazing. You know? Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, because I, I'm, you know, like, a. As a, I think as a healthcare provider, you have this desire to see your successes. And one of the downsides of, of private practice is like your successes aren't in your office anymore, right? Like they're out achieving, they're doing things, they're running, they're whatever it is. But, you know, you kind of want to see like, hey, I'd like to know about that marathon that you got a PR on and stuff, you know? And, and a lot of people tell you, but when you have the gym too, and they're coming in and they, you know, they just because they're in the building, they walk up to you and go, oh man, you're not going to believe it. I was able to do blah, 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 or you know, they're telling you their success cases. Holy smokes, does it make practicing that much easier? And are you that much more motivated to go learn the next level of CEUs? You know, like, how can I magnify that effect I just got? It's, it's, or, yeah. So, like, what you just said is so amazingly true. And then the opposite, or so early on in my career, the story I always tell on how I practice how I do now is because. I actually ran into all my failures at Walmart or Walgreens, you know, cause I'm, my practice is actually in a small town and you know, like, so what, what all your listeners who are chiropractors, cause we all kind of think alike, what ends up happening early on in your career is you completely undertreat your patients. So let's say you treated Bob three times and you just, you know, thought you, you know, totally poop glitter on the case and everything was perfect. And then you end up seeing Bob at Walmart three months later and you're getting ready to go kind of fluff your feathers and you're getting excited for him to, you know, tell you how wonderful you are. But then he says, Oh man, man, after I saw you, things just went to hell. I had surgery. I did decom, whatever it was, we've all been there. And so what ends up happening is then, like we said, you don't, one, you probably didn't restore function. So like, the, what the gym does is it allows you to continue the process of restoring their function back to, you know, everyday life. So, um, you know, if someone's had a problem for 20 years and you see them twice and they're hundred percent better, the chances of them relapsing are actually relatively high, you know? So whether or not they come back, the chance of them relapsing is higher than them not relapsing at that point, right? Exactly. And whether or not they'll come back and see you is probably determined by your, how good your personality is, you know? Cause really what they want to say is, well, shit, that didn't help me. I, you know, you know, screw that. I'm not going to do that. But so this way you keep them in the funnel, in the loop. And then on top of that, you know, especially, Oh, here's the other thing to answer your original question was how we all work together. If I know Betty has a stiff thoracic spine or a stiff hip, something I'm working on, I can just tell the trainer that piece of information. And then during active rest or whatever, they can have a specific program that's tailored to them, which you're never going to find that in a gym, you know? So like there's this inside information that I can just walk, you know, one building over and talk to them and be like, you know, this is what we got to be careful of. And 
and you're just not going to get that if you farm it out or outsource it. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, we actually, I'll tell you a nightmare case <laughs> along those lines of the control. We had a young female, 16, 17-year-old golfer who we were worried she had torn her TFCC. And uh, this is early on. And I started my gym for the same exact reasons. Like we were referring to tons of personal trainers and just getting these people that were back where we started with them. You know, and they, they, the patient who was who I truly care about, they, they hated the ping pong game of coming to me and going to the gym and coming, you know, they hated that. So anyways, I, one of them, we had this young female adolescent golfer, fairly, you know, she was going to make a D2, maybe a low level D1 program, probably get some money for college. We were worried about her TFC tearing. I said, listen, you, you got a little, you can take a couple weeks off. It was like over Christmas break. I said, take a couple weeks off of golf and let's just do some, you know, do some exercise, get your body strong, work on all the, the things that we want to polish up. And uh, she comes back. She says, man, my wrist is worse. I'm like, oh, well, what were you doing at the gym? She's like, oh, we're, you know, she names off some things that are pretty, I'm just like, why is your wrist hurting? I go, did you, did you hit balls? No, I haven't hit for a week and a half. And then she's going into conversation and mentions, man, we had this little burner at the end where we, it was a fast, who could do 20 burpees the fastest? It's like, you're telling me that you were going into burpees, like loaded flexion of your wrist at, you know, <laughs> at a high pace at the end of the workout for somebody with a possible torn TFCC, I'm like, well, I guess there's no possibility anymore. Like it's torn. (laughs) You're going to surgery. But it was just like, dude, what, like what, who thought that was a good idea? You know? But anyways, it was just so frustrating. That was one of those moments where I'm like, all right, we're building our own. (laughs) We're not doing that again. No. And I think, I mean, I think every single person has a story similar, you know? So yeah. yeah. And I think too, I mean, it, like if you, if you set it up right, the trainers love to be a part of it because they can be empowered, you know, all this extra knowledge that they, you know, have available to them. And, uh, like we, you know, we meet and we talk about journals or we talk about, you know, whatever we need to talk about. But I think that, uh, and it's an evolving model, you know, I mean, you, you're constantly working on, you know, new things or new ways of doing things. And, and to be quite honest, like even in the the gym side of it, it's also about like how to keep people motivated, how to, um, keep them connected. Uh, you know, all, all that stuff can, um, can be a play and is, is really helpful. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And so going back, uh, along those lines, let me ask you this, you know, I was, uh, kind of tell our clients and the people we work with, like when you train some trainers, when you truly get them up to speed on rehab and exercise and all that and, and leverage them, include them in the, in the case, what percent of, I don't know how to ask this question. What percent of your cases could go to them? So if you just got the flu for the next three days, what percent of your cases could be handled by them uh, that you wouldn't have to be there for? Mm, that's a hot, you know, it's one of those things, like the first thing you want to get a little territorial. And so you'd probably say that, you, you know, you would think that you would need to be there, but the reality of it is you don't. So I would say, um, I've never been asked this direct question. So I would say you would probably have to be there half the time, maybe. I don't know. Like, it just depends yeah. if they need manipulate. You know, I mean, there's things that they can't do, which again, that that's where it also actually works so perfectly in this model that we're talking about because they do need you for something. It's not like you're, you know, you goodbye forever. 
Um, but then I always think of, okay, what can the people around me do that don't have my license? You know, what do they really not need me for? You know? So. Yeah. yeah I always I, tell people you're, you're probably going to open up your schedule by 30 or 40%. And then you're going to fill in about, you're going to fill back 20% with staff training and, uh, and maybe some, you know, more complex cases, but it's great because you actually make a little bit more money you get a little bit more free uh, freedom in your schedule and the patient's getting a higher level of care. I mean, it's like, ah, it's so perfect. Why wouldn't you do it? No, I, I know because the other part of it is, yeah, you can make money at it. And I think that's where, you know, that most people are like, well, okay, that's, it's good for the patient, blah, 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 but we can't figure out how to way to make money at it. So, um, you know, if you can figure out how to, how to make it financially successful, then literally it is a win across the board. And, uh, I, I don't know why people struggle with that part of it. I mean, I do think you may struggle with finding the right trainers, but if you can get the right trainers, then you're golden, you know? So, yeah, very cool. Well, uh, not to change gears here, but there's a burning question in my mind. Um, and, and I got to ask you this, I know that you are, you're, you know, you work closely with the, the prog school and you're big into DNS. How in the heck did a guy in some little tiny town in Missouri, uh, find out about DNS 16 years ago or whenever the hell you stumbled on it. So originally what had happened was they were doing the, uh, Craig Liebenson was running the diplomate program. And so part of that was you could originally go over to Prague. And then, so the whole reason everybody did it was basically so you could like hang out with, uh, Dr. Carol Levitt. And so at the end of this weekend, so there was probably like six days of, you know, different topics and different courses. DNS didn't exist then. Dr. Uh, Pavel Kolaj had this like three hour section. And I was actually the person who had volunteered. So, and I'd had a bad shoulder and things like that. And, um, you know, we were all taught like a set of shoulder exercises in school and rehab. And uh, let's just say that it was minimally effective. So, he worked with me for like 15 minutes and I, at the time I was really struggling with stabilizing my shoulder blade. Well, it literally felt like somebody had stapled my shoulder blade to my rib cage, but in the most perfect way ever. Like for the first time I felt really stable. So we didn't have a translator. There were no notes. It was nothing. So at the time it was just kind of like, I don't know what to do with this, but great experience. So then um, I kept, you know, just and saying, what, what in touch year with, is this Brett? Just out of curiosity, this would be like, um, early, early two thousands. Okay. So, um, so then I, you know, I, I was so intrigued just by the prog school in general, just cause I felt like it was just better than anything that was out there, um, for the, from the rehab side of it. So, I, you know, kept kind of staying in touch. And then, uh, one of my mentors in St. Louis was a guy named Clayton Skaggs. He was heavily involved. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then we basically, him and I start going back together. So, you know, and so that, you know, created a lot of like an intimate experience, you know, to really get to know Levitt. And then, um, so then as I was continuing to do that, uh, Pavel Kolaj just continued to grow. So DNS didn't officially start to like 2008. So it was mostly reflex locomotion. And then they were slowly starting to integrate kind of exercises in. And so that's what DNS basically evolved from. And then, I mean, they've, you know, they've been great to me and I, I've loved teaching for them. So it's all been, it's all been good. I always say there's nothing in the world closer to 
clinical magic than DNS. I mean, it, it'll just blow your mind every single day. So that's kind of how I stumbled upon it. And, uh, thankfully I did because, uh, I, I saw so many amazing things early on when I was over there that helped me see what was possible for the present day chiropractor. Like I would never in a million years have guessed like the changes that can be made in the musculoskeletal system until I, uh, got to see some of those examples. So, yeah. What was it? Just out of curiosity, I mean, besides the experience you had yourself, but I mean, <laughs> the fun, your story kind of, I had this patient that went over to Europe and, uh, in like late nineties and discovered this energy drink that all the kids were drinking. And he came back and tried to tell everybody to invest in it here. And he ended up getting the North American distribution rights for Red Bull. But oh. he said, when he brought it back, everybody was like, I don't understand what it is. It tastes like crap. What, what do you do with it? He's like, oh, I'll mix it with vodka. And they're like, that tastes worse. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? And I just picture you there, like trying to talk about DNS and you're saying there's no translator, there's no notes. And you're just like, I'm telling you, this is the future. And they're like, so let me get this straight. I act, I get on the ground and act like a baby and all my shoulder pain goes away. Uh, it's something like that, but just believe me. <laughs> oh, I know. Like we always say like your biggest nightmare is to sit down on a plane and someone asks you what DNS is and you're just like, Oh, you don't even know what to say. Like, cause it's, it's a weird thing. Cause like, if you're on the outside looking in, you're like, well, it can't be that involved. I mean, it's just a set of exercises, but it's like, uh, Robert Persig says the guy who wrote Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. He says, it's not about, it's not about breadth. It's about depth. So like within that one topic, it just goes on forever. But most people, they just don't have the stick with itness to like really dive into it to all the different aspects of it, which is fine. I mean, you can just take the high points and the exercises, but if people are into it, I mean, it just, it's like looking out into the ocean. It just never, you know, it never ends. I mean, you can always be better at it. There's always different facets of it. And I honestly think the same thing about joint manipulation too, like from the MPI side of things, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I know how to adjust. I'm like, there's 30 people in the world who really know how to adjust. I mean, there's like a different level of person who really understands how to adjust well. And when you get in those hands, you know, it the second you're in it, you know? So it's like anything, you know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to do a deep dive into it, it's going to take a lot of grit, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, getting your teeth kicked in and, um, but at some point it's going to make you better. So are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step -step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit ClinicGymHybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's ClinicGymHybrid.com. Well, what was it like bringing back, I mean, the skill set uh, like what were the first couple cases where you're like, this stuff's legit, not just in my experience in Prague, but you know, back well, when DNS, you got back to Missouri, go ahead. Yeah. So DNS has evolved so much in the teaching of it. So, Oh, I mean like when we always joke, like when we would get back, we'd be like, you know, you think you have something figured out over there and then you get back with your patient on Monday and you're like, what in the hell? Nothing just happened. <laughs> you know, like what, what am I doing? But 
uh, now the notes are so much better for one thing. And I think too, the, the instruction has gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. So it is really, it's much easier to apply. It's, it's not like an algorithm, which people get frustrated with, you know? So you, if you're going to go into it, you gotta, you gotta kind of understand that side of it. You know, it's, it's not so black and white. It's a lot of gray. It's a lot about quality of movement, not scoring it from a zero to three, basically, you know? So, uh, yeah, I would say when I, when I got back, just like everyone, I completely sucked at it and I just, you know, forced myself to continue to work with it and, um, you know, really, really understood how the baby moved. That was like my first step is to really just watch videos and videos of babies moving. And, um, that's what kind of trained my eye from the developmental kinesiology standpoint. And then, uh, yep, a little bit of time and hard work and here we are. Which by the way, early on, I'm sure that, uh, it's a good thing you were never arrested for a crime because, you know, they pull up your, your YouTube account like, well, he has been watching uh, 84 straight hours of baby crawling videos. Uh, and he did go to, uh, you know, Europe. Something's not right yeah. about this guy. We just can't figure it out. We call that a red flag. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My gut instinct says this guy's bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone always jokes about that. And uh, actually, though, in Europe, it's so much laid back. Like, you know, they would just send notes over with babies without clothes on, things like that, and think nothing of it. And then, you know, the Americans are like, oh, we got we to gotta be sure we have that covered up. We have to, you know, so I think it's just like a cultural difference there, you know. I remember watching 60 Minutes one time with this guy from Doctors Without Borders talking about how they cure malnutrition in Africa. And they drop these bags. It's called Plumpy Nut. It's like fortified peanut butter, basically. But you know, hot, cold, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's perfect. You'd throw it out of an airplane and it's still good. And the interviewer goes, uh, what do you do about kids with peanut allergies? And the, the doctor laughs and he's like, these kids don't have any allergies except to malnutrition itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we laugh too. Like the, I mean, I remember when I first started going over to Prague, everything was done in this uh, particular hospital and I mean, at lunchtime, all the doctors were in white coats drinking beers, you know? Yes. So, I mean, the, so what's the first thing American does? They judge, but like, it's the Americans, it will be like fall over drunk at night, but the first to judge somebody because they might have a drink earlier in the day, whereas they're not going to get fall down drunk, but just because you had a beer at lunch, they would judge you, you know, it's just so funny. The the stereotypes, you know? So yeah, I've, I've been in the hospital a bunch with my parents, both fortunately had pretty aggressive cancers. And there are a lot of doctors I'd like to sit them down and go, Hey, drink this beer and just chill out for about 10 minutes. All right. I want to talk to you like a human being. <laughs> drink some prune juice and loosen up a little bit as we like yeah. to say. Exactly. Awesome. Well, so, uh, so going, getting back uh, to actually talking about clinical stuff here for a second. Um, uh, what, what have you, what have you found in these um, in, in your experience of, of, training, like you said, you're big into staff training and, and, and offering training on, on at your facility, but what skill sets, if you could uh, kind of give everybody some tips, what skill sets do you think it's a good idea to train your rehab staff or your training staff in uh, that you've learned along the way? Are there some things that kind of people overlook or maybe think, oh, there, there's no way they can handle that. It's too high level when in fact they excel at it. No, I, I mean, for me, no matter where, what branch of our office you're dealing with, to me, it's all about customer service. 
So like what I really work on them with is if it's just a really good way to like, think about it. I say, so if you're working the front office at my office, if you were the best in the world at that particular activity, tell me what that would look like. And so then it forces them to think like, okay, so what, what if, if I was actually and maybe they are, if I'm the best in the world at this activity, what am I going to do? And maybe more importantly, what am I not going to do? So like in the training side of things, I would just say like some no brainers are not being late, um, not looking at your cell phone, um, being present with whoever you're with, making corrective changes. We actually say, you know, we're not, we're not afraid of them putting their hands on the patient to be sure they have the right position. Uh Basically they need, they need to be engaged. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest mistake that I would say that, you know, you would see around. So like if you've ever been to a gym and you look around and you can see the person who's exercising is not excited. The trainer's not excited. I mean, that's just a death knell for, for training. So it's learned helplessness, right? You go to, you go to McDonald's and it's like, I'm going to order a burger and I know it's not going to look like the menu and you know, you're not going to make me what's on the menu and we're both going to be mildly disappointed about our lives here. And it's like, yep, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think celebrating successes. So, I mean, if your 80-year-old patient deadlifted 135 pounds today, like really going out of your way to, you know, point that out or maybe even throw it out on social media and, you know, just, you know, when people do good things, giving them the right uh, recognition for doing those things, I think is another really, really, yeah, uh, I think that that's actually huge. Yeah, that's definitely one marketing aspect too that the gym has that I the clinic doesn't have it as much of those daily successes that you see, you know, Oh, Brett here did, you know, his first time he's ever done five pull-ups in a row and Nancy here, she broke a hundred pounds with her squat, you know, like those opportunities are just rampant and people love when you talk about them, you know? Oh yeah. And then I would say maybe finally on that thought would be to treat everyone exactly the same. And this is like kind of the mind death I always do to myself. I don't care if I'm treating a Medicaid patient or I'm treating, uh, you know, a professional athlete, they, they need to be treated exactly the same. And if you, if you can get your mind in that space, that is when I think the world will open up to you. But so you, you get a hot shot trainer and thinks they know everything They're They want to work with professional athletes. It's like, well, no shit. So does everybody. So, but <laughs> what you got to do is in, uh, to be quite honest, you may not want to, I mean, once you've been in it, you may, that may not just be what you're into, you know? No, we um, work with some pros and everybody wants to work with really nice, uh, grateful pros. There is nobody on the face of the earth that wants to work with the, uh, entitled, uh, I'm going to use the term a-hole, but I wish I had something with about a thousand times more punch than that because we've had some of those entitled people that come in and it's just like, dude, I have no desire to treat you. And I really have no desire to see your career continue. I got to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. So with them, I would just be like, I'll tell you what, you show me that you're the best with these group of 15 year old baseball players. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see where we're at, you know, but like, And I mean, it's the same across any profession. I mean, everybody just, especially like the new millennial generation. I mean, everyone just wants to get out of school and this is what I want. This is the amount of money I want to make. And like the, the time of the apprenticeship is like gone away. It's like, what happened to hanging out with someone for two years and learning your craft a little bit. And even if you made a little bit less money, you know, but like, unfortunately it's hard to get people to realize that they're still out there though. Like, you know, the, the people involved with MPI or like the people in our same circles that you and I have, Josh, like 
those are our 10% that are just amazing, you know, but, um, you're, you're going to run into the other. So you either got to train that out of them or you got to find the people who do have the right, you know, the right attitude. I mean, honestly, for those of you who are looking to do this, show me a great personality and we can train everything into them. <laughs> you right, know, yeah. sometimes yeah. like the, the more they think they know, the more they think they've got it figured out, the longer they've been in it. Sometimes ironically, that's not who you want. Like, I would rather you be a little bit green and be meek and be able to be coached. And then, you know, we can teach you what you need to know, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I think maybe the solution here is you take the millennial chiropractic graduate that wants to treat somebody famous and you hook them up with somebody who's got a huge Instagram following and a bad attitude. And then when they screw that person up, because everybody screws people up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he tweets about uh, how bad your service was, then, you know, and now your chiropractic career is sunk because you weren't willing to put in any time. You go, you sure that's what you wanted? You want to treat famous people? And it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But Well, I mean, and of course, like, like I'm everybody- being, wants- I'm being mean. You're a nice guy, Brett, so- you know. Well, no, but I'm. Everybody wants to be on the trophy stand with them when everything's going well. But then, if they don't do well, then I mean, you got to own up to that too. And that's why, like myself personally, I just stay away from the. You know, like I'm not gonna get cocky or celebrate the successes because I know things can go the other way too. So, yeah. To me, whenever you see cockiness, you're looking at someone who's not actually seen patients or athletes or. Because really, I mean, as you know, I mean, you get humbled every single day of your life. It's really difficult to become cocky if you're in practice all the time. But yeah, like I, you, know, you, you catch a weekend seminar, someone who's like shows some arrogance or some cockiness. In the back of my mind, I'm like, you, you're, one, you're insecure. Two, you're not in practice. You know, so. Yeah, I, I always, uh, I teach for the SFMA, you know, and, and uh, you know, we're, put, we're seeing a lot of, of uh, chiropractic colleges integrate it and PT schools integrate it. And I always think like, I always say this, the downside here is you haven't screwed up, screwed up enough people to know how effective a great diagnostic system is. Like you don't know what a gift that is, you know? Because in my first, my first SFMA manual, there's probably 30 names written into the margins. Like, oh, this is why, you know, Brett's shoulder didn't get better. And this is why uh, Judy's ankle would never, you know, would never fix. And, and uh, and you had that emotional, uh, I don't know what you would say, the emotional energy of having screwed up a bunch of people or not being able to fix them. And I'm going to guess you went through the same thing when you were learning out, you know, with DNS and, and all the things you're doing, like you had that emotional energy to go, I don't ever want to feel like I felt with, you know, Mr. Smith. Like I felt like an idiot in front of him. You yeah. Know? You're kind of competitive. And then, uh, like my overall outlook on this is I, this is one big journey to me. It's going to be full of peaks and tons of valleys. And so as long as I just continue to, to get myself better. And a lot of times, like I tell my students, like your patient can be 100% better. And that doesn't mean you've functionally changed them, you know? So like all my, li- all the little failures that you're going to have during the day. I mean, of course your patient might come in and be like, I'm hundred percent. You are absolutely a magician. In the back of my mind, I go through my audits. I'm like, you are absolutely no better. I might not tell them that, but like, like holding yourself to this incredible high standard of changing function, I think is just where it's all at. And that's like, so I've been at it long enough now to where like a lot of my friends, best friends, they're done. They've sold their practices. They made a shit ton of money and they're just through with it. 
And I look back on my God, I just feel like I'm getting started. Like I just, I, I still love going into the office. I still love what I'm doing. And the reason is, is because every case is a puzzle to me and it's one more opportunity to get myself better at what I do. So like, and that's how I look at it. And Carol Levitt, he used to say, he used to say, you know, which, what my, which treatment of mine will be my best treatment. And his answer was the last one because it had 70 years of experience built into, you know, his hands, you know? So this is one big journey. The problem is people who are on this journey, they, they mess things up along the way and they don't have those learning moments. So they continue to make the same mistake over and over. Like in our world, it may be a lot more subtle. Like it may be, you didn't choose the right DNS exercise at the right time. Or when you, you should have used a MDT or McKinsey approach first instead of you went right to DNS or, you know, there's all kinds of like tiny little micro examples throughout your day, but like learning to expose yourself to that. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's how you get better at it, you know? And, and that's what I think the, what we're all trying to do. So. Yeah. So if we see you, Brett, we'll notice there's a couple scars on your chin from uh, taking a couple shots directly to the chin. <laughs> I might have those same things. Definitely. Oh yeah. Hey, and uh, I'm proud of them. <laughs> that's right. That's a, uh, that's clinical experience, right? Yeah, exactly. So was, uh, I just got to ask you, was it amazing? I've heard from a couple of people who were able to work with him, but was it pretty amazing to watch Levitt work? It was, I mean, where he was so good was just in his assessment and not like getting ahead of himself. I think like the present day chiropractor, just as an example is rushing to get to treatment. They don't do a full assessment. They just start treating before they have all their information. And then his other huge gift to the world was not being biased by the patient's pain. So gathering the information, um, I'm sure people have heard me tell the story on other podcasts, but the, the, the one that just jumps out that I'll never forget was cervicogenic headache, had it for years. He scans a patient for an hour. What he ends up doing is basically just dry needling um, a soleus trigger point, essentially. And immediately the headache was gone. So since we were there a little bit, we got to see the headache stay gone. And so he did that. He did that one patient after another. And he, he was so good at only treating like the most functional link, you know? So, and that's hard. We always, and it, it doesn't matter what the technique is. If you think about it, it applies to everything. If you're like the, the people who are best at uh, acupuncture, the better you are, the less needles you are. The better the adjuster you are, the less adjustments you need. The better trainer you are, you need less exercise to get the same outcome. So I think like his simplicity, his ability to assess and then his ability to just say, um, you know, this is all I'm going to do today and uh, it's going to get you better. So. Yeah, that's, that it's, and there's nothing like seeing that where, and then it just confirms to you the fact that this functional approach of, you know, the top is the bottom and it's all connected. Uh, that actually does matter. <laughs> so if you're shoulder pain and I'm just looking around your shoulder, I'm already, I'm already making assumptions, right? Like, yeah, I mean the, the story I tell at seminars that is just the perfect motivating factor for anybody is it's actually, it was a former Cardinal player, Dizzy Dean. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was the all-star game. So he takes a ground ball off his big toe on his glove side hand. So the closest foot to home plate. So he has a first metatarsal phalangeal fracture that he comes back too soon from. And this happened in an all-star game. He didn't even want to play in this all-star game, but he got pressured in the plane. So then he says, you know, I don't know what it was, but I never regained the dorsiflexion in my toe. He didn't say dorsiflexion, but he said movement. 
and he could never get his arm in the same slot after that ends up destroying his shoulder six months later. So never pitched again or tried to keep coming back and just never could be as effective. And I mean, you can search it online. He says, I don't know what, what the connection was, but I didn't have the motion in my toe and I could never get my arm in the same slot again. And you hear this from people. So, I mean, every articulation, every receptor in your muscles, every receptor in your skin, it all has to do with, you know, how well you can or what your functional capacity is. So our job as chiropractors is doing a really good job of assessment to make sure we have freely movable joints, that um, the skin receptors are working well, that we have the right muscle tone and the right muscle output, and then the right integration of Aristotle's five senses. So, um, you know, eyesight, smell, sound, I mean, all of this can be affected with treatment, which is pretty damn exciting. Yeah. And there's no other group that has a, the, the vast, uh, I don't know, skill set that we have. And the, the other side of the coin, you know, PTs are, are, they're getting close to having access to the same skill set. Although the, uh, the, the depth is not there because they haven't been at it as long. But the other thing that, you know, chiropractors, sometimes if I, I hear these people saying, well, I, you know, I'm a chiropractor and I think, dude, there are, there are so many doors open and the coolest part is the freedom to get to choose those doors, you know? And it, oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, look I at what you never, did. I mean, you're a, you went from the small town in the Midwest all the way to Prague to learn how to rehab people. And it's like, and that was back, whatever, 14 years ago, uh, maybe more than that. Like the freedom to, is there to f- do functional medicine, you know, dry needling in a lot of places, whatever you want to do. And because of that, man, what other profession in healthcare offers you that flexibility, you know, and, and we're at a price point too, where you can go cash if you want, or you can take insurance. If you're an orthopedic surgeon, you can't switch to cash model. You're, <laughs> nobody will be able to afford you. It's the best, it's the best profession going. And it's interesting because now, like if I ask my students, they're then try eight or try nine. Most of them, I would say 80% of the room is going to be $200,000 in debt. And but I mean, like, if you were a million dollars in debt, I wouldn't get, like, it's still worth it because you're, like you said, I mean, just like in my world. So my functional medicine lady, who I think is just the best around and world-class at it, she is a chiropractor. Um, a guy that we ended up hiring with the Cardinals who um, was a, he was one of my students at Logan, went on to Wash U PT school. He, so he has the most extensive background ever. He just wanted to train people. Well, he did such a great job. He got hired by the Cardinals. I mean, he's just the biggest stud ever. So, um, you know, like, like you said, I mean, there's so many different, it's like the wild, wild West, and it, but in a good way, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And you just got to be good. You know, you can pay off all the debt if you're, if you're excellent. Like, that's the thing. That, well, I guess there are people that pay it off by doing the flying seven every time. But like that, that's for, uh, I think that's a small minded game. And you have a, a much bigger skill set you can use and, and, uh, and expand on than that. But I'm trying to say that as nice as I can, Brett. No, there's, there's crooks. That, like, so if my yeah. students are like, you know, if your first question is how much money am I going to make? Or like, how many patient visits are you seeing? Like your mind's already in the wrong spot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying like, I see my patients a lot. So I mean, like to change function, you have to. So but I mean, like, if, you, if that's where your mind's going, you're, you're in the wrong profession or you're going to burn out or, you know, it's just not going to go great for you, you know. But if, you're, if you go into work every day thinking, how am I going to get myself better at my craft, then I think that's, that's the way it's got to be if, if you're going to enjoy success. So, of course, we know financial success is just part of it. But I mean, to me, I'm like, 
if you're world-class at what you do, you deserve financial success. You know what I mean? So they, they go hand in hand. Unfortunately though, in our profession, a lot of times people just talk about like, Oh, I saw this amount of patients or whatever. I always tell my students, you just be great at what you do. And I bet you'll find that there's going to be a pile of money at the end of the, at the end of it. Nice. Well, do you have any uh, last, last tips? We got to wrap this up. Do you have any last tips for people that are looking, you know, for the people listening to this podcast, they're a chiropractor, maybe they're, they're probably pretty successful at chiropractic. I'm trying to convince them to add a gym to their clinic. Any last words of inspiration or advice you have? Uh, it's a no brainer. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to, uh, to say about it. I mean, to me, it's like, if, if, if you can do it and I think like you start small, I think where most people decide not to do it or they procrastinate on it is they don't think they have the right space at the time. I would say like any project, just get it going. Like any project, even if you're doing something around your house, it's got a tipping point. So, you know, you're doing it, it sucks, it sucks. And then all of a sudden the project just starts to roll for you. You're like, actually, I just want to get this done now. So I think the same thing, like instead of procrastinating on it, just get it started, even if it's in small space and uh, let it grow organically and uh, off you're running. Nice. All right. Well, this has been a absolute uh, uh, great interview, Brad. I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate all that you're doing for the, the chiropractic profession, whether it's with the students or all the way up to professional sports level and everything that you're bringing to the world. And I hope to get out to one of your courses here soon. Uh, cause I've, I've never experienced that is, that is, uh, the motion palpation institute. So I'm excited about that. Um, uh, I guess, uh, I guess that's it, man. I just want to say thanks and I'll wrap it up. Uh, you have any, how can people get a hold of you by the way? They can email me bw at windspineandsport.com. And then, um, slow I'm, that down real quick. It's bw. Bw at win spine and sport.com. Um, I'm not good with the whole social media thing, but I am on Facebook. So, um, I've got that part figured out at least. So <laughs> I think Instagram, Instagram is my next kill. So <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Brett, this has been a, like I said, a slice of heaven. I really appreciate you taking the time today. And for all of those listening, Brett Winchester, he's a genius. And he said, it's a no brainer. So following his footsteps and, uh, And with that, I will say on behalf of Brett Winchester, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.